Today, I have with me Denzel Lewis. He has a background in law enforcement, which he'll tell you a little bit about, and he works for Community Health Network, which is the third largest healthcare provider in the lovely state of Indiana. Welcome, Denzel. Can you give us a little bit of your background, please? Sure. So um, I was in law enforcement. I did 33 years in law enforcement. I did um, nine years as a uniform officer. I did 20 years assigned to a drug task force. And then I did my last four years as a supervisor for a violent crimes unit investigating um, homicides, rapes, home invasions, um, assault, aggravated assaults, crimes like that. Okay. And I believe you told me that for about the last three years, you've been an investigator with community health. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So after my term in law enforcement was over, um, I was very fortunate to um, find out that community health had an opening in their corporate investigations division, and uh, I applied for it, and they took me on. Okay, yay. <laughs> All right. So your, your um, scope of responsibilities, if I understand it correctly, involves using their AI software that they have, looking for suspected diversion. And if you find somebody that looks suspicious with your tracking and trending, or if one of the local facilities has something that is suspicious, then they hand it over to your team to do that deeper dive. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. That's, and, and again, we, we use the AI um, software as well as, you know, um, coworker complaints and sure. if we get patient complaints. So, sure. We use the same methods just about everybody's using now. Right. Yeah. That comprehensive. There's a lot to it to, to, yeah. to look at. Okay. So you do that deeper dive in and find the rest of that information. And then you see it through all the way through to the interview piece yes. of it. Yes. Okay. That's, all right. And then, yeah, a lot of times, um, as, as you're aware, we just do the same thing that, that most people do the industry best standard. We have the D-DIRT meetings um, where we bring together um, the nursing director, the uh, nursing manager for that unit, um, director of pharmacy, HR director, and everybody contributes during that uh, drug diversion uh, meeting. Everybody contributes. To the final final decision of what that sure. outcome will be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and where to go. Okay, you know, you said something. I we do pretty much what everybody else does, the standard, yeah. which I do want to, you know, just highlight. You're right. That is the gold standard of what people should be doing. But sure. believe it or not, there are a lot of facilities out there that are not doing that. Not even close to doing that. Some have, you know, pieces of it but it's not as comprehensive. So, you, but you bring up an interesting point that that is the standard, the gold standard. So you guys are, are spot on, you're following all of it. And, you know, I've talked about before that interviewing from a, having a clinical person, whether it's the pharmacist or the nurse or whoever's involved in the diversion program and leading that, having them lead the interview versus having somebody with a law enforcement background leading the interview, 
two different styles, right? We're two different kinds of people just by nature. And the experience, of course, you have years and years of experience of that. Whereas the clinical person, it's we haven't been doing it for that long compared to you. So I wanted to hear your perspectives on interviews and how you handle that. Do you go in with a set of questions? Obviously, each scenario is different. So you have to, you know, make your questions specific for the, the situation. But in general, do you have a set of questions that you pretty much always use? Sure. Uh, so, yeah. So just to go back a little bit, that's one of the advantages to being involved in the case from the start mm -hmm. to the finish is that I know what questions I need to ask uh, and how to structure those questions. So I have a list that I've compiled of about 120 questions. I don't ask all 120 questions. Uh, in fact, when I'm conducting an interview, I like to be in there for an hour to an hour and a half. If I'm in there an hour and a half, I've been there too long. Um, so an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, that's a good interview. It's time to get out. It's time. To, I, there's been times where I've had so many anomalies, whether it be missing medications or a waste issue, that I haven't been able to go over all of them. Um, but I do have a list of questions that I have a script I go in. When I walk in the door, I'm, I'm looking at that script and I've already went through it the day before and I've checked the questions I'm going to ask and crossed out the questions I'm not going to ask that don't pertain to that case. So when I walk in the door, I'm prepared for the interview. Yeah, and you bring up a good point because you conducted the investigation in terms of looking at the data and putting it all together, you have a complete look at what is going on, which is important. It would be hard, I think, to just come in with a, you know, looking at the audit, having gotten it perhaps the day before or hours before, but not really been seeped in all of the findings because that makes a big difference. Who's typically in the room with you when you conduct these? So, and that's the neat thing about this is that um, typically uh, I'll have the uh, individual, whether it's a nurse or a doctor, um, the, the person that we're going to ask the questions, the person we're going to interview, um, I will have the, and let's say it's a nurse, I will have the nurse manager, at, at minimum, the nurse manager, um, sometimes the nurse manager and the director of nursing, uh, I will also, I also have a partner. There's always two investigators in there. And um, so altogether, there are th four, maybe five people in the room. Um, we record all interviews. We do uh, audio recording right now. We're going to begin audio and video recording all the interviews. Um, but we record all the interviews. And I like doing that for one simple fact. I'm paying attention to what's being said. I don't have to write down notes. And every time you write down a note, the individual on the other side of that table or wherever you're sitting sees you write that down, they think, okay, that was important to them. So their mind's working and yeah. in ways it doesn't need to work. Um, so, you know, there are so many objectives you want to achieve when you walk in there and you have to be, um, you have to be well prepared. You know when you're yeah. coming so that's what i do i walk in with a script and from there um you know i've learned in law enforcement uh, one of the 
things um, about law enforcement is interviewing is almost an art form. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you really, the more training you can have and the more comfortable you are doing it and reading the signs of people, the better you'll become, the more successful you'll become in, in your interviews. Um, and that's why I always recommend that, you know, when doing an interview that the person have interviewing training. Um, I had an extensive uh, law enforcement training with called the read technique, mm -hmm. where it's about reading body language and, and body cues and knowing when to uh, when to move in on the person when to back up. So I, I've had just so much training. I've been so fortunate in having that training. I didn't realize it at the time. But um, I've been very fortunate in that. And again, when I walk in, I have a structured script that I go by. And, you know, like I said, we have multiple objectives we're trying to, to get. And no one objective is more important than the other. I mean, you know, the first, we want that interviewee to be relaxed because they're coming in from their shift. They're just getting off work, coming in from their shift. And they've been walked up to by their manager and said, hey, some guys from um, legal department want to talk to you because we're not law enforcement officers. We work within the legal department. We work for the attorneys. So they'll bring them into the room. Now they're already, they're up here. Their stress level is, is just way up there. So you've got to relax them. You've got to bring them down. Um, so the first thing I do, you know, I explain the reason we're there. I explained to him, hey, there's been some anomalies. As you know, we have to, we have statutory, uh, regulatory obligations that we have to meet. So we just have to ask you some questions about what you've been doing as far as your nursing practice goes. And we're hoping you can answer those. Um, and usually that brings them down a little bit. I never lie to them. I don't, there's, there's no lies ever. Um, and make sure that and one of the things you learn as a law enforcement officer is to make sure the room's set up the right way so the person feels comfortable. And so I always make sure that the person we're talking to is closest to the door, that they can see the door. They have free access to the door. If they want to get them walk out, they can. And again, I just don't take any notes. I'm just there talking to them. It's just two people having a conversation. Um, there are like I said, there are things you want to get out of this interview and that are important. And as my job in corporate investigations, doing working in the legal department, we want to protect the facility's liabilities mm -hmm. and assets. So, and we want to protect it from civil sanctions uh, and, you know, federal regulatory bodies. So I like to go over, the first thing I always do is I, I we bring them down. We tell them why we're there. We start small talk. You know, where are you from? Uh, how long you've been nursing? Just very small talk. My first 10, 12 questions are just about them. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Some senior nurses, they just, they'll interrupt and say, hey, what do you got me in here for? <laughs> Let's get on with this. Yeah, right. I want to go home. That small talk. So, so yeah, so and at that point, you got to kind of back up. You can't get upset about it. And you got to say, hey, listen, I just, I, I need to ask you some questions and, and just let me go through this script here. Okay. So um, you want to learn about their training. The number one reason law enforcement officers are sued across this country 
is based on their training or lack of training. They didn't have the training. Uh, their department didn't give them the training they needed for that situation. That's the number one reason. So in order to protect the, the facilities from any such uh, claim, um, I go into their training. So we learn all about their past training, including their e-training, um, past work experience, the training they had at their past jobs, their past facilities. And I always ask, um, has the training you've been given here been adequate for the job you've been asked to do? And every single time, absolutely. Well, yes. Interesting. So I always ask that question and that protects the liability. And it says, we trained you the right way. Now, why are you doing it the wrong way? That's interesting. I would think I would almost, even if I thought I was, that would be my loophole. It's like, well, you know, something's better than other things. And it's like, that's where I, <laughs> but they don't do that. They, they tell you how great their, um, their, their nurse was that trained them. Uh, they tell you uh, how many, how many, they have too much e-learning, you know? They, yes. Well, that's true. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's always a question I ask and I always get a, an affirmative out of that. Mm -hmm. um, I also go into past positions they've held at other facilities um, and then the training they received at those other facilities. Um, any write-ups or corrective actions and how they affected them and, and do you do that still or, or what did you change to make sure that that didn't happen again? So, um, so I get into that. That's the kind of the second part of it. And then um, the third part of my interview, uh, and I, I call it painting them into the corner, is really going over the standard practices and policies. And I don't ask them specifically about the anomalies that we are there to talk about, but I ask them, um, I, I actually take the policies in with me that and the one policy I always take in with me is the uh, medication preparation administration and documentation policy. It's a 16 page policy and it really covers everything. Uh, I take that in with me and I always show it to them. And I say, hey, you know, are you familiar with this? Have you had training on this every time? Yes. Um, you know, OK, so tell me about medication preparation administration and they'll go through the entire process perfectly perfectly will tell me about i walk in the room i ask the patient their name i ask the patient their date of birth every time i then check the medication i scan the, the patient i scan the medication every single time that's what i do i get them to commit to those answers because those are the right answers and those are the way things are supposed to be done right. so um you know i take in the wasting policy as well and we go over the wasting process because the wasting process at one time with us used to be the the main way that um, we found um, diversion was going on was through the wasting policies. Um, so I take in the wasting policy, same way, show it to them, explain it to me. They explain it to me. I ask them, walk through your typical day. They walk me through their typical day. I ask them, how many patients do you commonly have? Mm, three, four. Is that too many patients for your skill level? No, that's fine. Everybody gets three or four patients. Okay, so I make sure they're comfortable in their job, how they're doing it, and that they know how to do it right. Those are easy. So then we get into a point to where 
during the course of that, I will always have my partner next to me or, or one of the, there's three of us. So I'll always have one of the guys next to me. Um, during those questioning, while we're talking to the nurse, the other guy will bring up, um, you know, there's some anomalies and due to these anomalies, we think that, um, and, and there's ne it's never accusatory, um, but there are problems that happen with nurses. And if you've developed a problem, we can get you headed in the right direction. We're not here to cause you any problems. We're not here to ruin your career. We're here to get you help if you need it. Um, so that's what he's doing because I'm asking the questions. So as so once we've got to that part where um, we're we're done talking about the training and we went through everything, we then begin discussing the anomalies. And okay, so uh, let me show you this. So I will actually show them. So you get specific, like on this day with this patient, you exactly. did this? Exactly. Oh, okay. So then that's when we get specific. Now, mind you, we've already, they've already told us about their training. They've got all the training they need and the training they, they uh, have acquired is sufficient for their job. They've got three or four patients, it's not too many. And they've already told us how to do medication preparation administration and not from reading the document, but from, from their own mouths. They told us about wasting. So um, again, we, we begin with anomalies and we get into specifics then. And mm -hmm. as we're getting into the specifics, that's when uh, the other investigator will start talking about, you know, and, and of course they try to explain it away. Well, you know, um, I'm sure I administered that medication. I just maybe forgot to scan it. Or maybe there wasn't a scanner in the room uh in this room and, you know all, all yeah. yeah there was a scanner in the room so can you tell me where this medication is well i'm sure i gave it to the patient yeah so you're not necessarily expecting them to remember the incident and come up with a specific you're just showing them how this is not consistent with what you've just yeah. finished telling me is your process exactly, exactly. okay because they won't you pull that up and they have no. so many patients over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't, I don't go over specific incidences. Mine is more of a, you know, you waste significantly more than your peers, you know, give me, help me understand why that is, or you dispense more or you give PRNs more, whatever it is in a global sense. Now, obviously if I was in there for, you know, a handful of unaccounted fors, then it might be different, but typically, you know, what I see is more of that. You can kind of trend it. You do this more than, and so I keep it more global. Yeah. So, I, and the reason I go specific is because um, I can go over each one and it's just kind of, they lose their. They just get smaller and smaller and smaller. And smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally that you can just see them sinking down in the seat and it's like, okay, I just told them that I do it this way and that I know how to do it. And now they're calling me out on this, 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 this. And so when we get to about the fifth or sixth anomaly and my partner um, at the time, whoever it is, one of the two guys, they know, you know, when to step in and, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, you always get that first denial. No, I'm not stealing drugs. I'm not diverting. You guys don't understand. You, you're not a nurse. You know, I'm not diverting. Okay, that's fine. We're not saying you are. We're saying that if that is a problem for you, we can get you through this. We can help you out. And right. and it's never accusatory. And sometimes, right. and sometimes unfortunately, uh, they get confrontational. And you just have to de-escalate it. And yeah. It's like you, you have to take a step back and say, whoa, hold on a second. Right. Here to answer these questions. Yeah. So a couple questions. One, do you tell them you're recording at the beginning? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And we right. the recorder out there. And I tell them, okay. Oh, okay. Record our conversation so because I want to pay attention to what you're saying. And I don't want to be sitting here writing notes. Okay. All right. Perfect. And then you had mentioned, you know, one of the things they may say is you don't understand you're not a nurse. So how do you get around that? You don't have clinical background. Um, have you just learned over time or how do you handle so, that? So that, there, there's a few answers to that question. So first of all, we do have the nurse manager in there who has reviewed the evidence with us in the uh, DDIRT meeting. And we have the nursing director in there with us. So um, also, when I hear that, you know, what I started doing, uh, I started going in and working with the nurses during their shifts. Mm. So I actually will go in uh, sometimes two days a week, sometimes more. When mm. I have time, I'll go and visit one of the other five Just hospitals that we shadow have. them. And yeah. I shadow the nurses. So I can learn how they work, uh, the workflow, how they chart, and it's been extremely helpful. I've, I've learned so much doing that. That's a great idea. So now when you get towards the end and they've given you that first denial and you say it's not confrontational, do you at any point ever say to them, you know, I, I don't think you're telling me the truth or there's more to the story here or... I mean, how do you how do you kind of get to that place where you're going to kind of come in for the closing? Like, nah, so, there's something going on here. So, yeah. So you just kind of do a summation after you're doing each one of these, whether they're missing or the wasting problem, you know, because they can't explain it. They can't give you anything. But so then I go back over and say, listen, here's the deal. You told me you know how to do this. You told me exactly how to do it the right way and that you do it every time that way. And you're not doing that. So there's got to be a problem. And this problem didn't start until three months ago. So something happened in your life. You know, what's going on with you? So you just have to, to stay at it. I try. I, I, I don't think I've ever accused anybody of diverting. Um, because again, that's, you know, that's not going to do any good because then you're just going to be in a, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yes, you are. So you're in a Mexican standoff there where you're just going back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, you know, I just stay with that. And again, after about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes, they're tired. I'm exhausted. So at that point, you know, I will commonly ask them, do you have any controlled substances on you today? Do you have anything on you? And I can't tell you how many times, because remind you, it's the end of the shift. 
can't tell you how many times they stand up and I say, can you empty your pockets out? They empty their pockets out and you've got hydrocodone, you've got hydromorphone, you've got syringes, you know, um, there's something there. And yeah. so that's when it all changes. When you when you have that constant denial, yeah. then you ask for that. So, yeah. So we can somebody can somebody just refuse to do that? from a legal perspective? Well, so in order, so we have it in our policy, in our drug-free workplace policy, that uh, they are subject to search, their person, their vehicle, the locker, okay. that is all subject to search. They can walk up, they can get up at any moment and walk out that door. And that's why I say, I, we don't try to make it confrontational. It's, and, and truthfully, we are there to help them. We are sure. there to get them in a better place. Right. Uh, so we've investigated, we've, we've had about 60 interviews. And of the 60, we're at about 65%, uh, 63% for confessions. Okay. Um, we have another, mm, I want to say 20%, uh, 17%. We do keep statistics. I can't remember exactly. We're around 20% who refuse the drugs screen because after the interview our policy permits us to go take them for a drug screen and we have okay. about another 20 percent that don't really go for the drug screen so we're around 80 percent that either confess okay. or don't go to the drug screen because you take the i'm not going for a drug screen as i have a problem sure sure and they'll tell yeah. you i'm going to test positive for marijuana or i'm going to test positive for uh, my mom gave me an oxycodone yesterday They'll make up some reason why yeah, they'll make up some reason why they're not going to take it. That's okay. Fine. So, um, so we're around 85% there as far as looking at, um, what we're doing. I think we have about 5% that we actually, um, that actually we go in to talk to and they may be diverting. They're probably diverting and they pass the drug screen. And, and we are probably another 10, the 10% that's left over. I think those are our practice issues, our people with the practice issues. Um, we talked about that earlier, um, but I think about 10% are probably, um, I had an older nurse who she was just, I'm just tired of being a nurse. Mm -hmm. I, I really should have retired. Sloppy. <laughs> yeah, and just yeah. so sloppy and, um, and literally I had video of her and it was true. She was just, she didn't care anymore. So I'd say we have about 10% that are, um, that are just uh, practice issues. So. Right. Yeah. And you did, you shared a case with me before the interview. So I'll ask you to share that too. But one question first, do you ever find yourself in an interview and you're just not really sure? I mean, the data is, you know, kind of so-so, but, you know, could be practice, could be a diversion. And you just, you cannot tell, even with all of your experience, Sure, you're just perplexed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I say that's 5% of, of the ones who don't admit and then test negative. Um, you know, th those are the ones that I sit around and go, I've got to be missing something here because, mm -hmm. you know, there's this problem, this problem, this problem, but I, I've got to be missing something. So I, I'd say there's probably about 5% of those that uh, I really, 
kind of question myself afterwards. Okay. So. All right. So it's not just me. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. So um, you did share a case with me, which I'd like you to share with the listeners of somebody that looked pretty bad. And then in the end, you were convinced that it was practice. So tell sure. us about that. So I had a um, had a younger gentleman. Um, um, he popped up on our AI. Um, and then there was also some coworker complaints. Um, he had several missings. Um, he had some false waste, which uh, he had actually told the nurse who was going to waste, hey, I accidentally sprayed it on the wall, or it was just something offhand. And I thought, man, this, I'm pretty certain. It's clear. It's diverting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's clear here that there's a problem. So um, I, we um, did the investigation. And when we do an investigation, we look at everything. Um, we don't just look at that AI stuff, but mm -hmm. we look at, uh, we talk to the uh, nurse manager who works with them. What's going on in their life? We check their social media, see if there are any posts or anything on their social media that would um, show maybe living a risky lifestyle. Um, we check just about everything we can possibly check um, as far as indicators go. We, we look at past employment. Are they a job jumper? Are they somebody who's went from job to job to job? Is there an explanation for why they left their job? Because that's something that's on our application. Why they left our job? Does that explanation uh, make sense? So we do look at a lot of things. And, and we looked at everything on this guy. And I thought, yeah, it's he's only been here six, eight months. He's only been a nurse maybe a year. Yeah, well, he's probably diverting. So uh, we bring him in. We sit him down. And uh, I'm kind of taken back by the guy. Uh, first meeting him, he looks he looks like Superman. He looks like Clark Kent when he walks in, the glasses and all. Um, Good-looking kid, uh, well-built. And, uh, you know, he obviously takes care of himself. And I'm, so then right off the bat, I'm, I'm kind of thrown aside because most people who have a drug addiction aren't really taking good care of themselves. So um, we sit down with him and we start going through all the anomalies and the missing administrations and the the wasting issue that he had. And we start going through all this. And at the end of the interview, and, and he won't, we, we keep trying to uh, get him to tell us whether he's not, whether he's diverting or not. And at one point he just stops and he says, you know what? He goes, I wish I could tell you I was diverting. It would at least be an excuse why everything's, why I've been so sloppy. He goes, I just don't have an excuse. And right then I was like, okay, <laughs> he would rather admit to diverting than make me think he would rather admit to diverting yeah. than make me think that he's a sloppy nurse. But do you think that that's kind of the same thing as just calling somebody's bluff and saying, okay, fine, I'll do a drug test. Take, take me right now. But when really they know that they're, you know, they say these things because. Sure. He was right. I, yeah, and that's and that's something that again I think my past training and experience, his sincerity came out, and he didn't know we were going to take him for a drug test. And so at the end of the interview, I said, "Hey, uh, we'd like to take you for a drug test. Are you open for that?" He's like, "Absolutely." So he goes over. We do a drug test, and again, he's one of the practice issues guys. He's, Interesting. He hadn't been a nurse for quite a year yet, and he just didn't take the job as serious as he needed to. 
the charting yeah. and, and, and yeah. the flow. And I, I would imagine you guys had an eagle eye on him for a while after that to see if things cleaned up. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> his manager, uh, who I've worked a lot of cases with, a phenomenal manager, um, you know, wanted to keep him and said, look, I want yeah. to keep, keep an eye on yeah. him. And yeah. they have, and, and, and he's turned out to be just a phenomenal nurse, just just a great, great nurse. So we're, we're and we're fortunate to have him. So, yeah. but that is a case where, you know, we thought for sure, right. many questions to it. So. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And as you mentioned previously too, you conduct your interviews always at an end of a shift. Is yeah. that your process? So at the end of a shift, if they're diverting for use, you know, a lot of them on the job, then you would expect something to show up on the, that panel because they've been at work on that oh, drug sure. screen. Sure. Yeah. I had, we had one case where uh, we literally, she got called in. She, she was actually, if I remember right, she was sitting at the desk. Uh, we walked in and she saw us and uh, I'm like, hey, listen, we're here to talk to you about some anomalies. And she's like, I'm diverting. I just shot up hydromorphone. <laughs> I'm like, hold on a minute. I haven't even started the recorder yet. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, I have 120 questions I have to ask you. <laughs> you threw me off. Wow. So, yeah, she was ready. She yeah, was she ready was. to get help. But again, that was her addiction. And she, you know what? She knew. She's like, I'm done. I want to be done. Yeah. Um, and, and we do. We want to get them help. We want to get them yeah. in these programs. And we actually have a program where we bring them back, where we can bring them back mm -hmm. to work for us. Now, they're not going to be around controls, but, but we have a great program set up to, to give them the employment that they need. So, um, great. You know, getting the help is, is, is really the goal. Right. Right. And, and you've mentioned in other conversations that we've had that you have a recovery center there in Indiana that you work closely with and you can get them on the phone sure, to sure. talk so, with these people. Yes. Yeah. We have, uh, we have the president of the recovery center that literally I will call him the day before and say, hey, listen, I have an interview tomorrow at 7.30. Are you going to be available around 8.30? He says, I'll have my phone on, buddy. And you know what? It's never failed. Uh, we also set up our own program through our um, EAP, our uh, Employee mm -hmm. Assistance Program, mm -hmm. where we have counselors available too. Because sure. one of the things we, we do is that after that interview, when there is an admission of diversion, we don't want them just going home and being alone or going home and not having somebody they can talk to that understands their situation or the support that they need. So we actually use our EAP team and okay. use them for counseling. So we set that up usually uh, prior to our interview as well. Okay. All right. And that way they're on standby and uh, can so have we, that conversation. Yes. Yeah. That's an important piece of it for sure. I was talking to someone recently that, that is, you know, through the recovery phase, but he had mentioned that when he was confronted that day at work and then he goes home and he's like, I wish somebody had come home with me Yeah. Um, because it was really a tough, a tough place for him to be right. in. They've lost all hope. You know, yeah. They, and you have to let them know that this isn't the end. This is a new beginning. And, right. And we're going to help you through that. We actually uh, place them on 
administrative leave. So they have our insurance still. Yes. Administrative leave. We don't uh, terminate uh, until quite some time down the road if that's the route that we end up taking. Right. So right. They do have an opportunity to go enroll in a program with their insurance that they have. Right. And that's an important piece. An interview that was done uh, a few weeks ago was with somebody that we talked about that disability insurance, taking those financial, helping to take those financial worries off the table, but they can't get that insurance if the hospital terminates them and takes away their their medical insurance. So that's the, you know, the first piece of that. So very, very important. Well, Denzel, I think you've given the listeners a lot of fantastic information and things to think about and ways to conduct the interview. Even for those of us that don't have that law enforcement background, I agree with you. If you're going to do the interview, you need to get trained, but you've set up some nice processes and things to think about that, that we can consider incorporating. Cause it sounds like you have a very comprehensive process that, um, seems to work really well. I like it. I like all that information. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's been a work in progress. Uh, we've been working on it for three years and, um, and we'll continue working on it. There are other improvements <laughs> that I'm sure, um, that we'll be making along the way. So, you know, yeah. you, you always have to look at other people's processes and see what you like in that and, yep. and see what works for you. Right. Things to consider. Absolutely. Thank you very much for sharing with us. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you very much. Thank you, Denzel.